Please remain standing and pray with me. Lord Jesus, open now your word to us. Grant us listening and attentive ears and hearts. Give us perceptive minds, spirits open to be transformed by the renewing power of the gospel. Lord, be with me, the preacher of your word. Give me clarity and and precision in how I speak. And, And Lord, let me offer every word under the unction, the controlling influence of your Holy Spirit, so that all that is said is to your glory and to the edification of your church. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to be looking at that passage from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 16 that Jensen read for us this morning. That's what we're going to be focusing on. And I love this passage because it is one of the most astounding passages of of Scripture in the entire Bible. The lesson that we just read, beginning at verse 8, is a celebration of God's people. It's a celebration of God's people who did not receive the promises of God. Yet these are the very ones who we are encouraged to imitate in our faith. There's something absolutely scandalous in this passage. God made promises to every one of the people that we heard about there, beginning in verse 8, and yet they did not receive the promise. They they died still holding on to God and trusting him nevertheless. You know, the secular world cannot begin to fathom that kind of attitude. And what's more, much of the prosperous and comfortable church in the West can't fathom that, that, cannot fathom that attitude either. It is wonderfully outrageous, and it's outrageous even to me. But the reason that all these famous men and women of faith are able to hold on to God, were able to hold on to God, even when they did not receive the promise, has to do, and this is critical for this message this morning, it has to do with the very nature of faith. That is a word, maybe it may be, you know, faith, hope, and love. Those are like the three big Christian words out there. And yet we, we often don't understand what we mean when we speak of biblical faith. You see, biblical faith is not a warm, fuzzy, religious feeling. It is not just trying really hard to believe things we suspect are not actually true. That's, I think, uh, kind of based on Mark Twain's description of what he thought faith was. Biblical faith is not just some sort of generic spirituality. I have literally stood in a person's home and have them tell me that their faith is strong even as they were in the midst of apostatizing. It's not a generic spirituality. And as important as the creeds and doctrines of the church are for guiding us into the truth about God, belief in those points of doctrine is not the faith that is being spoken of here in Hebrews. So here it is. Biblical faith, biblical faith, is nothing more or less than a relationship of trust with a person, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is nothing more, it's nothing less than a relationship of trust with a person, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is the kind of trust that even when we do not see any visible confirmation of God's faithfulness, we have come to know his character so well that we still trust in him. And that's what this very first verse in uh, Hebrews 11 indicates, Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Or as another commentator translates it, faith is a belief in the reality 
of what is hoped for, a certitude in the things not seen. Faith is a belief in the reality of what is hoped for, a certitude in the things not seen. So biblical faith is being certain that God will keep his word even when we do not see him doing it. Faith is simply risking everything to trust God. So that's biblical faith. So how did these people, Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, learn to have this kind of trust in God? Well, they came to this trust because they had entered into a covenant relationship with God and had come to know something of his goodness, of his love, and of his power. So when we come to have faith in anyone by getting, we, in fact, that's how, we get to, that's how we have faith in anybody, by spending time with them and getting to know them. We come to have faith in anyone by getting to know them through spending time with them. We know we can trust God because he has revealed his character to us in the scriptures and supremely in the person of Jesus Christ as revealed in Holy Scripture. So this is critical, okay? Our faith has to be directed towards an object, of course, that's God, ultimately. But the means by which we can approach the God in whom we have faith comes only through one means. There is no other means, and that is through God's word. All genuine faith is ultimately rooted in God's revealed word because God's word alone is the reliable testimony to God's character. Everything else is just your private opinion. The word of God, though, is where we have a reliance in the character of God. As we live in relationship with the God that we know through the scriptures, we see his character confirmed. Okay, we come to know him through the word, but his character is confirmed in Christian experience. We have the lived experience of what we read of in scripture. And the relationship we have with God is dynamic. God always ups the stakes to the relationship. You need to listen to this part. He always increases the risk. He takes us to new and greater levels of love and trust in him. You see, God wants us to realize that the relationship with him and the life that flows from that relationship is meant for every Christian to get deeper and richer and more exciting. There is no such thing as a healthy, static Christianity. So the relationship with God is dynamic and as breathtaking as a higher wire routine. And at the beginning, and maybe you've experienced this, I certainly did, at the beginning of our walk with Jesus Christ, we find that God is faithful because he seems to grant us his favor and blessings immediately. But that is spiritual infancy. Anyone can trust God and obey God when the answers to our prayers seem to come in that evening's mail. It's like the Amazon truck just pulled up and dumped the promise right there on your doorstep. And that's great, but that typically is a sign of what we experience in our earliest days of following Jesus. You know, when I trained Gus, our German shepherd, now Lisa's not in this service, so she would contest the term that I have trained Gus. He's just a dog, y'all. Well, when I trained Gus, our German shepherd, to sit and to stay, I did it incrementally. I would tell him to sit and stay for a brief second, and when he obeyed, I would immediately, immediately give him a treat, or I would praise and love on him, or the best thing for Gus is to throw his ball. That was his treat, to have his ball thrown. But as the training continued, uh, I would increase the intervals between the time that the command was given 
and he obeyed me, and then the reward came. So the period of time between the command given and the reward was extended more and more. And Gus, through that process, this is really cool, he learned that he could trust me to fulfill my part in our relationship, even if the reward did not come immediately. Now, I think that God often deals with us in exactly the same way. He wants to shift our focus from the treat to his faithfulness. Shift the focus from the treat to his faithfulness. We need to move from loving God's goodies, loving God's goodies, to loving God for God's self. And God accomplishes this when he carries us beyond the point we imagined we would be able to go in our trust with him. I make Gus wait just a little longer than he thinks he can stand it. In order for our relationship to be alive and growing, we must endure uncomfortable times of stretching. Faith only happens, faith only happens past the point where we think we can make it on our own. That's when faith starts. The wonderful thing is that we see God's love and power and glory revealed with ever-increasing splendor through that process. At the same time, we are transformed from mere infants in Christ to people of great boldness and determination and depth of character. We're enabled to live a holy life and maintain our testimony of God's faithfulness even beyond the point where it no longer makes any earthly sense to do so. I love Job's response. It's a life verse for me. But I love Job's response when his wife was very helpful for him. Uh, you know, after he had gone through all those trials, his wife basically said, haven't you had enough of this suffering? Curse God and die. That's so encouraging, so sweet. But through his agony in hard-headed faith, Job growled out these syllables, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Now that's faith. That's faith. The ultimate risk of faith is that God's promises are not fulfilled in this world. That's precisely the reason why these people were still living by faith when they died. They trusted that God would honor his promise in ways that this world could not contain. And so Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive, they did not receive the things promised. Well, you're never going to grow a church with that message. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You know, what we read here shows us that we misunder listen, we misunderstand biblical faith if we think that having faith inoculates us from real trouble, real hardship, and real suffering. 
We misunderstand biblical faith if we think faith inoculates us against real hardship, real trouble, and real suffering. Thinking that says this, if I just believe hard enough, this bad thing will not happen, has nothing to do with biblical faith. Nothing. Such thinking is much more in line with pagan magic than trust in Jesus Christ. Peter Kreft has written, The purpose of our lives in this world is not comfort and security, but training. Not fulfillment, but preparation. This world is a lousy home, but a good gymnasium. It's like an uphill bowling alley. The point is not to succeed in knocking down all the pins, but to train our muscles. We misunderstand the point of this world if we expect it to be happy. See, beloved, God's best for us, what we read here, God's best for us will never be experienced in this life, in this world. We are strangers and aliens here. I was recently reading that uh, right now more Americans than ever, whether they're politically conservative or progressive, more Americans than ever do not feel at home in their own country. Christian, if you do not feel at home here, good. You are an alien. You're a stranger. You are just passing through. You are just passing through. It was a early, I don't know if it was, you know, I can't remember. It was a, one of the pre, uh, when, before England was united as a single kingdom, and I think it was like the king of Wessex, one of the Saxon kings, and he's in the Mead Hall and having a conversation with the bishop, and a sparrow flies through one of the windows at the top of the hall through, through, the, through the building and out the other window on the other side, and the bishop looks at him and he says, that is your life. You're like that sparrow just passing through. We don't belong here. We are strangers and aliens. We are waiting for the final consummation of the kingdom of God when all the fullness of the promises of God will be ours. God is bringing us to the point where we realize that in spite of what can be seen, even when things look their bleakest, we can still trust God to be faithful. I spoke recently to you about Pastor Andrew Brunson, who spent two years in a Turkish prison because he was a Christian. And during that time, he never, Pastor Brunson never had a sense of God's presence. Like the saints of old, he came to a point in the second year of prison when he chose to trust God without receiving the promises. So Brunson says of that time, it wasn't as much a breakthrough as it was a shifting that led to a rebuilding. And that was a decision, that was a decision on my part to lay aside my conditions and expectations of God and simply be faithful to him. So I said, whatever you do or don't do, I will follow you. If you do not give me your voice, I'll still follow. If you don't give me your presence, I'll still follow you. If you do not set me free, I'll still be faithful. I am going to fight for my relationship with you, and I choose to turn my eyes toward rather than away. And that reminds me of, though he slay me, 
yet will I hope in him. That's biblical faith. You know, even when evil wins, when injustice triumphs, faith believes that it will have the ultimate victory because the one it trusts is faithful. Faith recognizes that God is at his best when all hope is gone, when hell dances with delight because it thinks it has won. And make no mistake, evil does triumph for a little while. For a day or a year or a lifetime, evil, evil often gains the upper hand. We need to remember that because it is now evident that we are entering into a time of great hostility directed to the church in North America. But faith knows that even when evil seems to win, that the final note has not been played, that there is indeed a final act before the curtain falls. Beloved, our very lives flow out of that truth. On Good Friday, every indication was that evil had triumphed. Satan had won. Human injustice had actually twisted and schemed so that the very institutions of truth and justice, the religious establishment and the state, perpetrated the great, greatest injustice ever known. Jesus Christ, the spotless, holy, innocent Lamb of God, was dragged away to the shouts of false accusations and against the protestations of an impotent and craven Roman governor. But crucifying Friday is not the last word. Resurrection Sunday morning is the last word. It is the word of God's faithfulness even beyond death. God's faithfulness even beyond death. So you see, faith elevates us. It enables us to live and, yes, even to die in a way that transcends this world. So Hebrews eleven sixteen. instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Man, I love that. God is not ashamed to be called their God. May it be said of me. For he has prepared a city for them. Biblical faith is what keeps us connected to God beyond times of ease and comfort and prosperity beyond those times into times of great hardship and suffering so that we can see him do what only God can do through times of comfort into times of suffering we are connected so that we may remain faithful in order to see him do what only God can do when he promises Abraham and Sarah a child only after they know that they are way too old to do anything about it. After Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery, his employer falsely accuses him of rape and he is thrown into prison. After Moses and the children of Israel have their backs up against the pounding surf and all of Pharaoh's chariots are thundering down upon them and there is no hope and no chance of escape. After the Israelites are stuck in the middle of the desert and all their supplies have run out and the children are crying for food and they know they will surely die. After the three Hebrew children have been thrown into a fiery furnace because their faithfulness to God would not permit them to worship anything but God. After Daniel has been set up by the schemes of wicked men and hurled into the lion's den. After Jairus begs Jesus to come and heal his little daughter. And then the servants of the household come and tell him to trouble the teacher no longer. Your daughter is dead. That's when God is at his best. 
That's when God is at his best. When all our hope is gone, when the stark reality of our situation settles upon us, when there is no more reason to keep on believing, trouble the teacher no longer, your daughter is dead, God is at his best when our faith is taken beyond the point of no return. After the prison door swings closed behind you, after you have lost the baby, after the divorce is final, after everyone has believed the false accusations against you, after the doctor tells you the cancer is untreatable, after you have lost your job, after, after the cold sleep of death has taken you out of this world, after, oh yes, after, only after evil winds on Good Friday is there a resurrection victory on Easter morning. By faith, we know that we have already won. This feast we celebrate this morning reminds us that we can lose our homes, we can lose our possessions, and we can lose our very lives, and we are still more than conquerors through him who loved us. Neither life, nor death, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. By faith we are victors, and this holy communion sustains us by bringing us again and again into the presence of our faithful God who has indeed conquered death. His real presence here is the testimony that his word is trustworthy. This meal keeps us going until we see with our own eyes the heavenly country we now only behold with the eyes of faith. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated, seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. We see it with faith. Sure and confident that it is approaching fast because our God is faithful. Faithful and true. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.